Broadcasting live on a Studio E in Los Angeles, California. We're wrapping up our third hour of David Essel Live, America's Positive Radio Talk Show. And thank you so much for sharing some of your energy and time to be with us. Our toll-free number, 1-800-548-8255, 1-800-548-8255, streaming on uh, XM 168, broadcasting live on XM 168, and streaming at talkdavid.com. Proud to be part of the Premier Radio Network and looking forward to this uh, time with you right now as we explore life and love and health and happiness and all of that great stuff. We welcome the 12 million subscribers from XM that are with us, as well as the millions more listening to us on TalkDavid.com. And coming up in a minute, we're going to go to a, a quick email. And then coming up in a minute, we're going to be talking about the heart connection. Rana Prince is with us, who's the producer of the documentary Sacred Journey of the Heart, the Science and Spirit of Our Connection. We'll talk with Rana about all of this regarding the heart, how heart-centered living is the way to go. What does that mean, and how do we change, and what does that mean about resentments, and is it okay to hold on to a resentment, and if not, what do we do with them, right? All those kind of cool questions. Ron is going to be with us in a minute or two. And let me go to this. This is a a great question. Uh, It came in. I heard on a previous show you quoted that uh, if we wait to start saving money when we are making more money, we never will. Who was that? (laughs) Yeah, that is great, right? If we wait to start saving money when we are making more money, we never will. That is from my buddy Harv Ecker, of course, who's the author of the book Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. And just think about it. If we wait to start making money when, when, or to start saving money, if we wait to start saving money when we're making more, we never will. And it's really true. And why is that? First of all, if we're not involved in the habit of saving money now, even if we're not making money, even if we're in the red, if we don't get into the habit of saving something, and I'll share a story that he shared on the on the air here with us in a minute, but if we don't get into that habit, then we surely won't when we start making money. And the reason for that is, is because then when we start making money, all we'll be thinking about is justifying the buying habits to get stuff that we wish we could have before that we never did. And then all of a sudden, that increase in income is going to be eaten up with stuff, and then we'll be going, oh, my Lord. Okay, well, when I get the next raise or the next this or the next that, right? So he tells this great story in his book, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, about a woman who attended one of his conferences and went home and said, oh, my Lord, you know, I'm not making money. I don't even have a job. How am I going to start saving money? So what she do is she borrowed 100 bucks. I don't know if it was from a family member or something. And every day, she took a dollar and put it in a jar on her counter. So every day, she would open the drawer, take out a dollar, put it in the jar. So it's visible. So she's starting to save money. And it was that habit that eventually led her to become financially independent. Isn't that a cool story? So even if you don't have money now, you don't think you're making enough money now, start saving something every day. And as Harv said, and it's so true, it needs to be visible. One of your savings accounts needs to be visible. Maybe one is in a bank and maybe whatever, but one should be in a visible, in a clear jar, a vase, on your bedstand or somewhere where it's highly visible so that you get the sense and the sensation and the feeling of seeing that grow on a daily basis. I'm laughing because I'm thinking even if you have to borrow it, fine. Do whatever you need to do. Just start saving. Because as Harvest says, if you wait to start saving money when you're making more of it, you never will. one 800 Five four eight eight two five five. 
Rana Prince is with us right now, the the uh, producer of the documentary Sacred Journey of the Heart, the Science and Spirit of Our Con- Connection. Rana, welcome to the show. Hi, David. Thanks so much for having me on this evening. You're welcome. You're welcome. What is heart-based living? What does that mean? You, you, like People hear it a lot, you know, but, but what does that actually mean, Rana? Well, to me, it means not just the heart only, but that we're living from a balanced place between the heart and the mind, from the emotions and the thoughts, and we're creating our reality from that intersection of both of those and not giving too much uh, you know, power to the mind alone, but really becoming self-regulated and having this connection in the flow moment to moment. So we're, we, we're creative versus reactive. We're at, we are you know, able to you know, be connected with everything around us very consciously. So would that be like the marriage of logic and intuition? That's, that's one good way of putting it. They, they talk about at the Institute of Heart Math that's in the film about the intuition from the heart, those whisperings that come from our heart that lead us to say, follow your heart, go with your heart. So the, that intersection between the heart intuition and, and the mind, yes. Yeah. And how are you living that way? Let's, let's, let's put you on the hot seat. How's that sound? <laughs> well, that, sound, that sounds good. <laughs> I'm, I'm really living uh, in, the, in the connection between the heart and the mind. So heart-based living is not just allowing our emotions to spill out everywhere and have more reactivity in our world, but to be regulated, being uh, able in the moment to take a breath, to drop into that heart-coherent space. So I'm creating a smooth sine wave pattern uh, between uh, both parts of my, my heart and my mind, my the neuro, nervous uh, system, the parasympathetic and sympathetic, you know, to use some scientific terms. But it's really being present and being capable of acting as well as reacting with self-regulation. So, so Rana, how, let, let's take two different people. Let's take someone who's living a heart-centered existence and someone who's not. And they both face chaos and drama. You know, they, 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 the same experience. Um, you know, they, let, let's even say this. They both get fired from their job on the same day. How would the heart-centered person more than likely react versus the person that's not living in that connection between intuition and logic? That's a great question. The the heart-based person uh, would feel the feelings, because this is not about blocking the feelings and saying, oh, it's all good, it'll all work out. They say, oh, this this feels, if it's coming out of the blue, this feels really difficult. This is a challenge. My, you know, I might have some concern. I mean, remember then to drop into that heart space to take a few breaths and, and, um, go into the place where I know that this is happening uh, for a reason that's going to open some doorways for me. And so instead of getting on the phone and calling everybody they know and bring that drama energy to it, look what happened, I just lost my job, they might say, let me get quiet for a minute, let me reflect on the lessons that are presenting themselves to me and allow myself to listen within and Ideas, inspirations might come up even you know within an hour or so of, of losing your job that say, oh, this really means to me that the intuition I've had, it's time for this situation to end, is being presented. So we see it as an opportunity. Hmm. Well, that's a beautiful description because I could feel on the person that's not heart-centered, I could see how that chaos and drama would be expounded by 100 million times because... 
after they shared it with the first person, it's almost like an addiction, isn't it? It is, and it, it ripples out, and they're creating more stress because we're talking about a person who knows how to regulate themselves biophysiologically as well as emotionally and spiritually to be in that space where we're choosing to be in the moment, to be in the flow, and not to accumulate stress throughout the day until we get to the end of the day and we have to do you know, all the addictive behaviors to just cope with what happened with what just happened. Right, right. What, how did you change in, 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 in being the producer of this documentary, Sacred Journey of the Heart? At the end of it, was there, was there any tangible changes in your life that you could see, sense, smell, feel, touch? Well, there was a very tangible, visible change that I went through that uh, you can even see on the film's uh, YouTube channel, Sacred Journey of the Heart YouTube, that we call it the before and the after. You can see on camera what I actually went through. We started filming in 2009, and I thought that I had a lot of interesting things to share as a spiritual teacher, which I did from my head. But you put yourself on camera, as you know, the camera isn't going to lie with the way you're really showing up in the world. If you're afraid, it's going to show up. If you're feeling um, you know, nervous, it'll show up on camera. So we actually juxtapose, juxtapose the beginning of the filming process where I was literally frozen on camera talking about love and compassion with nothing moving but my mouth. So I look back on that and I say, oh, I'm so compassionate for that being that I once was. And and through the process of meeting all of these amazing teachers and going to places and being willing to just be in the moment and have what unfolded happen, we, I got to the point where we really needed to refilm every one of the scenes um, in, in the film that I was in because I had made such a, a powerful, visible wow. transformation you can see on camera. That is so cool, isn't it? It's really exciting to see it and, and to actually to see it in the theater where we just uh, screened for four weeks here in, in my hometown of Scottsdale. People would see that transformational part, and you'd hear them gasping, going, wow, what, did, what happened? We have, to, we have to see what went on. So it's really exciting. Yeah, that is, that is. Did, did you, in, in this process, did you change any daily rituals? Did you, like, as, as you moved into a more heart-centered existence, did you start doing things differently, whether it's meditation, prayer? Did you change the way you meditated, the length of time, the type of prayer? Did you do anything physically different with rituals to see this dramatic transformation? I did a, a couple things, and I still do them to this day. I did them this morning. I, I spent five to ten minutes on my M-Wave from the Institute of Heart Math, which is just giving me that feedback about how am I, how is my heart acting? Am I in coherence? And it's a, it's a biophysical measure of whether the two parts of my nervous system are working together optimally. So I get that, in, I spend some time, five to ten minutes a day in the morning, just anchoring that in, because doing that practice helps me remember throughout the day, oh, I'm not going to let that stress affect me until I have to go somewhere in a corner or somewhere alone and meditate. I'm going to remember to go into heart coherence in the moment, discharge the stress, and start to produce DHEA in my system, which is the hormone that relaxes and revitalizes us. If I choose not to do that, I'm going to be putting, with all the demands we all have, cortisol, the stress hormone in my body. So I do that five to ten minutes a day, and then I meditate, you know, just me and my own you know, going through the breathing process just myself without monitoring myself. And then I practice sometimes uh, the 
uh, radical forgiveness, looking at what happened. Is there anything that, that I need to clean up on on the energy front that happened in my day yesterday? Uh, we're, well, we're, we're going to go to a quick break, Ryan. When we come back, we're going to talk about radical forgiveness. That's something that I know we need to be speaking more about. Rana Prince is my guest, producer of the documentary Sacred Journey of the Heart, the Science and Spirit of Our Connection. We'll be back with more with Rana in just a minute. one 800 548-8255. David Essel Live every Saturday, 6 to 9 Eastern, 3 to 6 Pacific, XM Satellite Radio 168, streaming worldwide at talkdavid.com. I'm David Essel. Stay right there. Celebrating 21 years in positive talk radio, you're tuned in to David Essel Live Weekends on XM Satellite Radio 168, streaming at talkdavid.com, 6 to 9 Eastern, 3 to 6 Pacific, 800-548-TALK. We're talking with Rana Prince right now, the uh, producer of the documentary Sacred Journey of the Heart. Rana, is there any justification, any reason for a life experience, regardless of how traumatic that we could hold on to a resentment if it was extreme rape, sex, sexual abuse, murder of a family member, whatever it might be. I, and I wanted to go to the extremes because it doesn't make any sense to talk about, you know, when I was 10 years old, I stole gum from the corner store. When we look at the extreme experiences in life, is there any justification for holding on to a resentment? Well, there's a justification in that we want to stay a victim and we don't want to take the power back in our own life so lots of people use that i use that myself for a long time as a uh someone who experienced extreme uh abuse as a child 10 years of prolonged abuse and i justified my victimization for a long long time that gave me power there's that little issue of secondary gain as long as i was still a victim I got more help from people. I got a lot of sympathy. I got a lot of attention. So that's a very powerful (laughs) benefit that people get. But, you know, if that's where you want to stay, if you want to stay in that space, from my personal Mm. experience, there's no no, uh, real reason to stay in that space anymore. Well, and it's true, Rana, we create an identity in that space, just like an addict creates an identity of needing alcohol or drugs to carry on. The the victim creates the identity, and without that identity, who am I, right? Right, and that's scary for a lot of people because we're so attached to that story, letting go of it. You know, people will say they want to do it, I want to change, I want to change, but they take a couple steps in that direction, and they their ego or whatever you want to call it says, uh, I really don't, I almost had an adventure. Phew, I, I didn't have to change. Now I get to go back to that known place. Right, right. So, so as our listeners are sitting here, agreeing or disagreeing with us, which we allow them to do both, Rana, mm-hmm. um, What's the first step in radical forgiveness? Well, the first step uh, in this process and uh, developed by Colin Tipping is to feel your feelings. And for me, that in itself was radical because I was told over and over, you're, leave that in the past. And so the, the feelings I never got to feel, the, the things I didn't get to express, 
I didn't feel until I started feeling these that transformation that can be seen on on camera that just didn't heal didn't feel so uh, it didn't occur so the first step is feeling the feelings telling the story that what happened yeah you know um I, I I'm gonna double back for a second in working with clients when we take them through this process that you're sharing right now the very same thing and ladies and gentlemen I want to tell you it's it's okay to back up you know because a lot of times when they when they start to see that there's a way out of of the abuse that they had and letting go of the abuse when there's a way out of letting go of the guilt or the shame is that what you said Ron is so true is that we get excited at first but then when we see there actually might be progress to be made we want to stay with the known even if it's unhealthy right yeah, so that first step is acknowledging I'm going to feel some feelings and then I'll get a test and just to expect that because that's the way that change happens. We get to test out, do I really mean it? Am I really committed to this process? It's a it's a practice and I tell uh, my clients it takes 21 days to mm-hmm. practice this and 66 for the neurological connections in the brain to re- rewire. And, and was there an experience that... that- that turned you on to this, like it's time to forgive for the abuse as a child? Was there was there a, a marked experience or was it gradual that finally led you to finding out about radical forgiveness? Well, I thought I was forgiving all along and, and even decided I didn't need to read the book Radical Forgiveness that had given, been given to me three times. But it was <laughs> when our film, Midway Through Production, got stopped because our director was diagnosed with cancer, and the day before, someone said, you really ought to read this book again. Third time it came to me. A lot of us know what that means, pay attention. I said, well, I better crack this open and see what it's all about. And I started reading, and I said, this is the place to go. I've got some more forgiveness work to do. And and how long did it take? And I'll tell you what, Rhonda, we have about a minute left, and I'm going to ask you to stay through one more break and finish up with a couple questions. Um... How long did it take when you started forgiving for this abuse before you saw tangible results in the physical world? I'd say about two months where I got that that experience out in the physical world where I just had such powerful acknowledgement that I've changed from the inside out and it's now showing mm. up on the outside. So about two months mm. was all. That is so quick. It is. Yep. You know, because how many years did you carry that? Well, I carried it for about three decades, and and that was through the therapist couch sitting there week after week and trying all kinds of high-level metaphysical techniques and some pretty funky things, but about two months with day in and day out practicing the technique of radical forgiveness, this powerful transformation uh, was occurring in my life. That is so great. Rhonda, we're going to come back in a minute or two, and I want to find out about some stuff with Greg Braden and other people that you actually um, had on the documentary Sacred Journey of the Heart. Rhonda Prince is with us. Sacred Journey of the Heart is the documentary, the science and spirit of our connection. More to come, more information. Stay right there with us every Saturday, 6 to 9 Eastern, 3 to 6 Pacific. Email us at talkdavid.com. Text us at 941 266 Seven six seven six nine four one two six six seven six seven six, and of course you can always call us at one eight hundred five four eight eight two five five. Rock in the USA in a positive way. I'm David Essel. Stay there.
Sunday, maybe till Monday. I don't know what day. Every day's just a holiday. Rocking across the USA every Saturday, 6 to 9 Eastern, 3 to 6 Pacific. Welcome aboard. David Essel Live, America's Positive Radio Talk Show, 1-800-548-8255. My guest, Rana Prince, a producer of the documentary Sacred Journey of the Heart, the Science and Spirit of Our Connection. Rana, I wanted to end our interview with um, your, your take on what did you learn? I'm, I'm just going to throw out two names at you from from some a couple of the people involved with the uh, with the documentary, what was the the gem that you took away of the many, I'm sure, but what would the top gem that you took away uh, with your involvement with Greg Braden be? Uh, Greg uh, really helped me be more heart-centered and to see the connection and feel the connection with the heart and the earth because I start, he came one of the first supporters of this film, and he said, Ronnie, you really ought to see that the science is behind this heart stuff. I just had a title for the film and an idea. And he said, go and, and meet with the people at the Institute of Heart Math because they have the science for all that you intuitively are talking to me about your heart project in the film. And so he helped me really connect with the science of it. And I wasn't going to do a lot of science in this film, so I got that takeaway from Greg that science and spirituality are really converging. Mm, that's cool. And then what about Joe Dispenza? Well, from Dr. Joe, I got a very powerful takeaway about how we create our path in the quantum field of all possibility by being masterful in imagining that that which we uh, are, are wishing to create, we imagine it as if it's happening right now and that those things start to start to become real. And that was such a freeing experience for me that was living in the memorized emotion of being a victim. I had just memorized that so well, and he said, you know what, you've done a great job memorizing this. Why don't you start practicing now being optimistic, practicing the experience that opens a quantum field, another place where you're creating a whole new set of life experiences, and that was quite a gift from Dr. Joe Dispenza. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Give us a, a final take for our listeners, Rana, a, a final moment of inspiration that people could take away for themselves to help them radically change their lives. Well, my take on this is that it's feeling that builds connection. It's I, We're moving beyond the simple law of attraction that your, our thoughts are creating our reality. So the, the takeaway I have is feeling builds a connection. Heart creates wholeness and love manifests abundance. Rana Prince, producer of the documentary Sacred Journey of the Heart, the Science and Spirit of Our Connection. Rana, this has been absolutely awesome. I'm so glad we covered all these different topics, and you've been a joy to interview. Thanks so much, David. I've enjoyed it. You're welcome. Bye-bye now. Our toll-free number, 1-800-548-8255. Yes, as a matter of fact, I just got a text in saying, um, are you going to read my email? Someone sent an email. Now they're following it up with a text. Uh, Yes, we will get to your emails in a couple minutes. You can uh, email us at talkdavid.com. You can text us at 941-266-7676. And you can call us at 1-800-548-8255. Let's go to New England. Chuck, you're on with David Essel. Good talking to you again, David. How are you? Hey, Chuck, welcome. Good. How are you tonight? Well, I'm I'm pretty good. So I'm I'm, I'm a little disturbed because I keep seeing this trend. Um, I see it, you know, uh, listening to other talk radio stations, listening to you. We all have problems. And one of the main things that I, I would seriously like to point out, and your guest had seriously 
touched on it. It is this whole notion of victimhood, okay? But it, it actually goes deeper than that. And, and so here's another kind of perspective. The world that we live in, the media, you know, uh, the magazines, the entertainment, this is what beautiful is. This is what healthy is. This is that, this is that. What, what, what our world is literally doing is taking away the individual's ability to think for themselves, okay? My wife is, I don't know, what, uh, between 60 and 70 pounds overweight. She has got to be the most beautiful thing in my entire world. Every time I come home, okay, I, I love her to death, okay? I don't care what she looks like. She knows she wants to lose weight, but I'm not going to pressure her. Okay. Yeah, I look at like El McPherson or this other person that is, you know, pull up to us. Okay, yeah, they're pretty, but, you know, whatever. Okay. It doesn't matter. What people have to do, okay, is you have to get your own perspective. This uh, uh, person that emailed you about, you know, the $1,500 loan and, and resentment with their father, you know, just talk to them. Don't be afraid of the reaction. Just talk to them. If you're going to get a reaction from your dad that you don't like, then don't talk to him. You know, you are the only person that runs your life. Nobody else. You are the one that controls how you think what looks good, what you think tastes good, what you think sounds good. Nobody else. Forget what all 315, 320 million Americans think pretty is. So what? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You know what, Chuck? You remind me of our very first guest, Don uh, Jose Ruiz, who was talking about, you know, the key to this whole thing with life mastery is discovering who we really are and being happy with that. Yeah. I mean, you, you got to love yourself. It just, you know, there are some things that you've probably done that you, you feel guilty for, but you do have to forgive yourself because, quite frankly, the moment that you feel guilt, you already chose that it was wrong. But if you do something that you know is wrong and you don't feel guilty, then I think you might have a little problem. <laughs> right, you know? right, right. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to agree with you here, Chuck. And I'm also going to say, though, that, you know, for most of us, when, when we have long-held guilt or long-held shame or long-held resentments, there's going to be good odds that you're going to have to reach out and work with someone outside of yourself to get rid of that stuff. Yeah, um, and to touch on you know, that, if you want to know how you really are, ask your enemies, because they won't spare your feelings. They'll tell you exactly what's wrong with them. Sure, yeah. <laughs> well, and you know, and Chuck, and really good friends would do the same thing. Yes, but only if they're true friends. And, and That's they're it. hard uh, to come around, you know. But the whole thing is, you have to define who you are. You know, a number of years ago, I, you know, was struggling with that myself. And when I came around and said, okay, this is what I think is good or bad, this is what I know is right or wrong, you know, then I, I completely changed my life. You know, I joined the military, I served this country, I, I have a family now, I bought a house, I have a successful career. No, I'm not a multi-billionaire, although it would be fun, you know, to, you know, build that <laughs> home on the bottom of the ocean floor and probably yes. sit on my butt and watch TV all day. But no, 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 Chuck, now, Chuck, I'm Chuck. Happy with it. No, no, not watch TV. Watch the reef fish go by. <laughs> yeah, maybe go outside and get some lunch or dinner. You know, hey, which one do you want for breakfast today? Yeah. 
<laughs> I love it. it. It comes down to perspective. You know, if, if you look at a situation, if you think you're going to stress out on it, then change your perspective on it to where you don't stress out on it. If you're having problems with friends or family or whatever, you know, take the emotion out of it. As you say, slow down, take a step back. You know, take a couple of deep breaths. Think about what you're going to do and how it's going to affect you. And that just might change your mind on how to proceed. You know what I mean? Amen, Chuck. Amen. Well, you take care, man. Get you another weekend. Yeah, hey, thanks so much for the call, Chuck. 1-800-548-8255. 1-800-548-8255. 1-800-548-8255. 1-800-548-8255. You have a thought, you have a question, you have a comment you want to share about any of the guests, about any of the callers, about any of our topics, absolutely call us. You know, one of the things we want to do is expand consciousness, which is a really fancy term, just meaning live better. <laughs> because the more conscious we are, the better the choices we make. And we can do things like let go of resentments and we can accomplish goals and attack goals that are important to us and actually bring to fruition that which we desire. That is so important. Uh, Before we go to a break, I want to read this next email uh, that just came in. Your emails are awesome, ladies and gentlemen. Keep sending them at talkdavid.com. Just go to talkdavid.com and hit the contact us and send us an email. Um, A question about... Addiction. I have heard substance addicts are genetic. So is there no way around this? That's a great question. You know, there's this there is research out showing that um, some addictions are passed down genetically from one generation to another. And especially the most research that's been done on this is alcohol, of course. And I think it was around 2000. They found the genome for alcoholism, and they all of a sudden now can start to trace family trees and see that it goes back uh, to Europe. It goes to wherever your family came from, right? So there is, yes, absolutely, there's a genetic link to many addictions. And then the question was, though, uh, there's no way around this then. If you have the gene for alcoholism, then there's no way around it. You're going to be an alcoholic. And the answer to that is absolutely no. Just because you have the gene doesn't mean that it's going to be activated because it has to be activated with alcohol. Or if it is activated, it doesn't mean that you can't work around it. I'll give you an example. I worked with a woman um, who for 44 years never drank. And even though she had a huge history of alcoholism on every side of her family, for some reason she just had no interest until she went through a divorce. And the divorce was stressful enough for her to reach out and have the first drink, which led to a 10-year run of extreme alcoholism. So when she found out that she had the gene for alcoholism, which wasn't too hard to look at her family tree and to see that that was going to be the case, she at first gave up trying to heal it. Because she said, my Lord, just like what this email says, you know, so there's no way around it. So if I'm an alcoholic, I'm always going to be an alcoholic. And the answer is no. You might have a gene for alcoholism, but there are programs and people to work with where you can be free of alcohol. And as long as you're not ingesting it, the gene lies dormant. So remember that. 1-800-548-8255. After this break, we'll come back with more of your emails, your calls, information to help radically change your life. 1-800-548-8255. I'm David Essel. Stay right there.
helping you to move from where you are in any and all areas of life to where you'd really like to be. David Essel Alive every Saturday, 6 to 9 Eastern, 3 to 6 Pacific. Let your friends know we're on the air for them as well. XM Satellite Radio 168, streaming worldwide via the Internet at uh, TalkDavid.com. Uh, here's a, 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 a question. Listening to Rana... Uh, your last guest and radical forgiveness leads me to ask how to deepen my spiritual path. That's a great question. You know that, listen, any type of deepening of any path whatsoever to me is always going to start with uh, structured rituals. So if you're going to deepen your exercise routine or deepen the ability to make more money or whatever, there's going to have to be some type of a ritualistic structured approach and the spiritual path is no different. And what do we mean by that? It could be that you decide that you're going to start maybe taking a course, a, a course in miracles, or you're going to take a course on meditation or the Kabbalah or Judaism or Christianity or Islam or Hinduism or whatever it might be. But there's got to be some type of a organized ritual. So it's not just like I'm going to go to church or temple once a week. Number one. Number two, um, you might also decide that every day at a certain time you're going to put aside 10, 15, 20 minutes a day in order to practice a ritual of prayer or meditation. And so it is how we deepen it is is by putting effort into it, by taking classes, courses, by getting a mentor, by getting a teacher. So it's the same. It's a great question, but it's the same thing that we would do for anything. You know, if you're going to be doing um, maybe a gratitude journal could be part of your spiritual path. So it's not just a religious path. You're asking for a spiritual path. So maybe writing in a gratitude journal every day could be exactly what you need to start that thing going. It's a great question. Hey, and speaking of um, of rituals, we're going to encourage you to get a copy of our brand new book for free. It is filled with rituals and how to help you become more focused in life, to get off of the fence in life, to break through procrastination. The name of the book is The Power of Focus, How to Exceed Your Own Expectations in Life. It's absolutely free. The first million copies were given away for free. And then after that, it's 1995. Just go to talkdavid.com, talkdavid.com to get The Power of Focus, eight different options and formats, how you can get it. The Power of Focus, how to exceed your own expectations in life, because we will take you through a series of rituals to help you break through procrastination, get off the fence, and accomplish what you want. The Power of Focus, talkdavid.com. Uh, oh, this is, boy, we're getting quite a few addiction recovery questions here. Uh, I told my girlfriend that there would be no more drunken episodes or I'm gone. It happened again the other night. Now what? <laughs> now listen, I'm laughing with you, not at you. But the way this is written is it sounds like that you're struggling with codependency because if you, you've told your girlfriend, obviously more than this one time, no more drunken episodes, and yet it happened and you say you're gone and then you're asking the question, now what do I do? you you got to leave. See, men and women do not respect the codependent who continues to bluff, who continues to say, if this happens again, I'm out of here. If this happens again, I'm out of here. And then you never do anything. You know, you might give them the cold shoulder for a week or whatever, but then you let them back in. That's called codependency. So in actuality, if you're with someone who's getting drunk and you're telling them not to, and if you're going to leave, and then they get drunk again and you're saying, hey, I told you, if you're going to get drunk, I'm going to leave, and you don't, you're setting up not only disrespect. This person does not respect you at all, sir. 
Your girlfriend doesn't respect you at all, um, and really, nor should she or anyone. And here's the problem, is that if you don't start to set a boundary and follow through the consequence with your current girlfriend, anyone else you date is going to be the same thing. They're going to do the same thing because you haven't had experience yet in setting those healthy boundaries. I know it's tough to hear, but it's really the truth. one 800 548 Hey, I want to thank all the people in the... In, in the booth here, Studio E in Los Angeles, California, and for everyone else that works with me around the world, keeping our show rocking and rolling, Nathan Staten, thank you so much, uh, engineer at Studio E in Los Angeles, Will Wilkerson, segment producer, April O'Leary, guest producer, um, Lisa Doyle, our brand manager, Vivian, who's running the show on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, just doing an amazing job as she does uh, every week, I want to thank all of you. And David Essel Live can be heard around the world online. Our online streaming is powered by Error FM Live at errorfm.com. My thanks to everyone. Oh, this is uh, another a great relationship. I've never been alone since 18. I'm 35. I love being in a relationship. I actually love being in love. My brother heard you say this is an addiction, just like alcohol. I don't believe it. <laughs> I know, I know. When we talk about this this whole thing about love addiction and relationship addiction and codependency addiction and all that, the people that are in it and struggling with it, of course it doesn't make sense. You know, if you say to an alcoholic, I think you have a trouble with alcohol, well, there's a good chance they're going to deny it. So if you've never been alone since 18 and you're 35 years old and you love being in relationships, well, let me tell you this. If you're having good luck in your relationships, then there's no issue. But the odds are, for most of us, from 18 to 35, if we've gone from one, and you don't say how many relationships you've been in here, but if you go from one relationship to another relationship to another relationship, especially with no time off, and you say you've never been alone, so that means no time off, there probably is an addiction. You know, there's like love addictions, there's relationship addictions. So I would ask you to do an honest evaluation and maybe ask a friend or ask your brother what he thinks about the quality of your relationships. And if if a couple people say to you, you know, I'll tell you what, man, you're always in relationships and they're always ending in really crazy, nutty ways, then that could be a challenge. Uh I listen, here's another one. I listened to your radio promo on a blog, on the internet, of course, regarding positive thinking. A guest you had on agreed with you that positive thinking cannot change our life. Please explain. It can't. Oh, this is a great question. Listen. Positive thinking, the role of it is to excite us and to inspire us and to motivate us in the moment. But it never leads to lasting change. So you could sit in your bed or sit in a car or sit in a couch and think positively all day long, but unless a miracle is happening, there isn't going to be any change in your life. And that's what we're talking about when we say positive thinking cannot change your life. Positive thinking can inspire you. It can motivate you in the moment that you're thinking positively. It can put you in a good mood. It can do some great stuff. We're not saying don't think positively, but it's not enough to change your life. You have to marry positive thinking with action into the uncomfortable. You have to risk to change. You have to get uncomfortable to change. I don't know anyone that does the same thing over and over and over again and receives new benefits. 
whatever we repeat at some point is going to just keep giving us the same thing. If we want more, if we want bigger, if we want better, deeper love of God, deeper love of self, deeper love of another person, a better body, it'll take positive thinking and physical effort. Every Saturday, we are here to give you thoughts and ideas. And always remember this, at any moment, you can change. Any moment. Today might be the day to radically start to change your life. We hope it will. Be bold, be strong, be positive. Visit us at talkdavid.com. I'm David Essel. See you next week.